What's up everyone and welcome to episode 161 of the Justin Insight podcast, a show where we talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and their journey through it. My name is Tim Burbeck, as always I am your host and boy has it been a fucking week. Uh, if you aren't already aware, there's been some pretty heavy shit going on in the past week, not just politically and whatever in the world, but a few sort of heavy, heavy deaths and and things like that. One which I'll go into in a bit more detail, but the one that is very much in the public eye at the moment is uh, Chadwick Boseman, who's famed for, for playing uh, Black Panther in the Marvel films, um, died of cancer of age just 43, which is really, really tragic. So uh, love, condolences and all that to his uh, family and loved ones. Um, but yeah, it's going to go into one of the other ones in a little bit more detail in a moment because there's a few details I want to give out to you. But as always, want to start the show by just saying a big, big thank you to everyone who checked out last week's episode with Brian Cook. Uh, seemed to bring a lot more ears to the show than usual, which I really, really appreciate. So... For everyone who checks that out, thank you. Uh, remember, if you like what you hear on the show, please subscribe, rate, review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to. It really, really does help us. Um, got another really great chat lined up for this week, but first, just want to plug something as well. Um, I'm launching a new podcast because I don't already have enough shit going on. Uh, the pilot episode will be going up later this week, uh, probably on Friday. It's called Punks on the Pitch. Uh, the idea is to bring my two passions of music and football together in one rambly little place. Uh, Going to have friends on and hopefully it'll be a lot of fun. Sort of, hope to kind of just, yeah, bring a different perspective on, on football of people who like alternative music, who maybe not necessarily would think like football. Um, so yeah, if you like football, if you like alternative music, you might find a home there. Um, it'll be punks on the pitch everywhere on social media, punk spelt P-U-N-X, because why not? Um, so yeah, go give us a follow, keep an eye on out on that. Um, now, as I mentioned, there's a couple of heavy things that I want to mention. Firstly, uh, the hardcore world lost one of its greats this past week uh, in Riley Gale from Power Trip. Uh, passed away, age just 34. And just seeing the outpouring from sort of friends and fans alike just shows the impact that that he made as a man and his band made across sort of the hardcore metal community as well. Um, I was lucky enough to meet him and interview him a couple of times, and he was just always so humble and accommodating, which is something I will sort of never forget. Um, there's still like I think there was a memorial held uh, yesterday, which is Sunday. And there's still stuff sort of circulating around social media and stuff, just kind of showing what an incredible human being he was. So yeah, there'll be there's well there is sorry a GoFundMe page going around uh, to support out his his family and his loved ones. So there'll be a link to that in the episode notes. Uh, secondly, uh, Jared O'Donnell from the band Planes Mistake of the Stars, uh, he was actually sadly recently diagnosed with esophageal cancer. Now, obviously, being a vocalist, that's a huge fucking deal. Um, and because of the state of the youth healthcare system, it's something that's probably going to make a huge impact financially on his family. So, again, there is a GoFundMe page that's been set up on his behalf. And, again, the links to that will be 
on the episode notes. So if you've got anything that you can spare to either of those, really, like, I'm sure it would mean the world to them. Um, I've chipped in a, a few quid to, to both. So, yeah, just kind of wanted to, to share those out in the world and hopefully get a bit more momentum going for those if, if possible. Um, right, before we get into this week's guest, I've got a track to play for you, something that we haven't done for a little while. Uh, a good friend of mine reached out to me. Uh, he plays under the musical name Wolf Plays Dead. Uh, he recently put out his latest record, uh, which is called Lawless Warfare. Asked if I'd play a track from it, so I thought, why the hell not? So you're about to hear Fangs of Steel from the record Lawless Warfare. I'll see you on the other side. So that was the track Fangs of Steel by Wolf Plays Dead. Um, you can check out the whole record, Lawless Warfare, on all various streaming platforms. And we'll put their links to social media and so on and so forth in the show notes with everything else. Right, let's get to our guest. And this week I am joined by vocalist and guitarist of shoegaze dream pop band Soot Sprite, um, Elise Cook. Uh, we mentioned it during the conversation, but we kind of started actually speaking myself and Elise sort of over Twitter one day randomly. Um, and ever since then, kind of, I've become a big fan of Elise's band and 
I was super happy to to get her on the show and kind of talk about it in a bit more detail. Uh, during the conversation, we talk about her not really kind of getting into live music until a little bit later in life. Uh, how starting out at Sprite as a solo project after a number of previous bands kind of fell by the wayside. Um, and how using the band has kind of helped her speak openly about sort of her mental health issues and sort of helped her deal with that. And just speak a bit more openly and broadly in general. Like if you look at their Twitter quote unquote persona, Elise speaks very openly about everything and she kind of uses it as a more personal tool rather than a professional tool, so to say. So yeah, please sit back, enjoy the chat I have with Elise and I'll see you on the other side. So joining me this week on the Justin Insight podcast is guitarist and vocalist of Soot Sprite, Elise Cook. Elise, thank you very much for taking some time out of your day. Um, I'm going to address the elephant in the room and ask, how the hell did you fracture your arm? Oh, uh, <laughs> well, I was just having like a nice leisurely bike ride. And then I don't really remember exactly what happened because uh, I also hit my head and got a concussion. Uh, oh, shit. <laughs> it's all... All, all fine. Uh, but yeah, some some blokes kind of scooped me out the road, and uh, yeah, off to hospital, and then just found out I had two fractures under concussion. So yeah. Oh shit, that's not cool. <laughs> I was about three days back into work, and then I just got signed off for six weeks again. I was like, oh no, it's so boring. Well, as long as you're right now, that's yeah, all that matters. Yeah, it was just a, a weird and boring that's time. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing, like, I'm trying my best to avoid talking about this sort of situation, but it's kind of one of those things that we can't avoid. So, like, not to sort of go on about sort of coronavirus no. too much, but, like, did you guys kind of have sort of much planned that you've kind of missed out on because of uh, Yeah, like a bunch of festivals this summer have kind of just gone out the window. I mean, just, we, we expected everything to be cancelled and, like, as disappointing as yeah. it is, like, it's a collective disappointment. I feel like everyone's everyone's got something yeah. that they were looking forward to. So it's it's hard to be like, woe is me when like I could be a lot worse off, I guess. Yeah, I I, I think that's the thing because when everything kind of first started and things started to get like slowly cancelled more and more, it was a bit like yeah oh this really sucks. But then when everything got cancelled, it was like oh okay this is like a bigger it issue sucks than... for everyone <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um we were quite i think when we started finding out about the coronavirus we were actually like on tour in europe and none oh, of shit, us really? believed it was going to be like a real thing like yeah. like it is now like we're all like oh it's, it's probably just the flu right and it just just wasn't <laughs> to, well it's weird i was in the exact same boat like i was out in uh copenhagen with one of the bands i yeah. was tour touring with and we were literally at a show and the Danish government were like, nope, lockdown. And we were like, oh, fuck. So we <laughs> literally had to like hot tail it back from Denmark to England to make sure we could actually oh, get wow. back in the country. So dramatic start for you. We were, we, it was still, I think, early February when we were out there. So it, was, it wasn't quite as widespread as it was, I guess, by that point. Yeah, yeah, because I think this was like, Third, second third week of March or something like that so yeah. it was like literally so when it as, really started to happen yeah yeah but like that's the thing like the shows prior like the ones leading up to that point we were kind of like running away from it kind of thing because we were going from like <laughs> countries that were fine 
And yeah. we were all like, oh, no, yeah, it'll be fine. Like, it might be an issue when we get back to England, but we'll wait and see. And then all of a sudden it was just like, bang, just everything. Back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a bit shit. But we're, we're in the situation we're in now and it's yeah. just kind of got to wait and see, I guess. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a lot being announced for next year, which which sounds exciting, but I think part of me is a bit, like, apprehensive to start planning anything live for next year because I just I just don't know what's gonna happen yeah so similar thing again like I've been offered some work like for January and yeah. it's literally like for basic like a three-week tour and I'm like awesome but I'm a little bit skeptical like yeah is this actually gonna go ahead or not so I've said a, a very tentative yes at the moment but we'll wait and see yeah <laughs> it's when you have to start putting in the work when it comes to planning things like that it's just like is is this all gonna be okay i think i think having like a, a vague plan is is nice because like if you can't have something to look forward to then what are you gonna do <laughs> you know? yeah exactly and that i think that's been a big part for me like over the summer is just like i'm guessing the same thing with you like you have all these sort of like festivals and stuff planned and then yeah that all goes by the wayside and you're like Oh, I, I have nothing in my calendar now. So. Yeah, <laughs> it's really strange. It does. It's like the the first kind of opportunity in a really long time. I just had to to sit and and write music again and actually like look after myself rather than yeah, just yeah. running myself into the ground, which I definitely was. Like, yeah, prior yeah. To lockdown, I was I was working two jobs before lockdown, so I, I really didn't have time for anything. Yeah. So cool. in that regard, it was it was nice. It was just weird to see like, yeah. everything disappear. What what jobs were you doing? Uh, so I work uh, in a cafe with one of my really good friends, Becky. Um, so just yeah, just cafe kind of yeah, yeah. So making coffee is making breakfast, and uh, and I was also helping my friends pop up kitchen in the evening. So oh, okay, was, cool. Uh, all service industry. That kind yeah, of stuff, yeah. But, which is always a bit like exhausting, but it, in doing it with friends, it doesn't seem so bad. Yeah, that's cool. Well, as I said, mm. didn't, didn't want to kind of dwell on coronavirus too much. So we'll get into the the meat and veg of the show. <laughs> um, yeah, how no I always worries. like to kind of open this up is to ask like how, how my guests kind of got into alternative music. So like what was your kind of first jumping in point and exposure to alternative music? Uh, I guess it was just like from from birth really yeah. my dad was always into like nirvana like when i was really i was i was born in 91 so this is yeah. when, when nirvana was was in its peak so my dad listened to a lot of that a lot of rem so yeah it started very very early like before i can really remember um and then it didn't start i guess i picked up a guitar around 14 but i didn't start playing it seriously until like two or three years ago but I played bass and keyboards and stuff like my late teens, early early twenties kind of stuff. So yeah, it's it's always been there, but uh, I guess it's only something that I've recently really leaned into. Yeah. So like in terms of kind of like bands and stuff that you were listening to, as you say, kind of like your dad listening to Nirvana and REM and stuff. But where did you? Where was your kind of like personal leanings like going off from what your dad was listening to? Uh, I guess that was just like the emo phase, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like 14, 15, getting really into My Chemical Romance and Fall Out Boy and, you know, 
every everything that was kind of coming up in that time and uh yeah I think that that always kind of I think that definitely set the direction that I was going to take yeah when I was when I was a teenager even though I wasn't kind of aware that I'd be making music like in a serious way mm. at that point but um yeah stuff I think like corn as well I got really into yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. when I was like 15 so system of a down um yeah and then I think I dipped kind of in and out of it got into like indie music when I was in like sixth form like college and stuff yeah uh, and then like electronic music and stuff I remember getting really into crystal castles when I was 18. Yeah I think a lot of people kind of went through that phase a little bit especially, yeah. <laughs> especially with crystal castles being like a, a key band that a lot of people seem to have sort of dived into. Yeah I mean they were pretty like abrasive to listen to really yeah when, yeah when you think about it like it definitely had like a, a real like punk tendency to it but I guess recently we all found out that actually that was all a bit messed up wasn't it? Yeah what happened. <laughs> yeah but um, oh, it's everyone. in terms of like kind of your expect like you say kind of like the emo phase sort of thing did did was it like you seeking out that music or did people kind of put you onto it like how did you kind of come across it um I guess like I think it was it was my friends kind of putting me onto it initially and then I would just seek it out from there so it was once you find one band in my space you find like another five yeah yeah so I think from like Fallout Boy, Fallout Boy, you'd find stuff like the Rocket somewhere and all that really like cheesy, poppy emo stuff, and uh, and then you can branch off into like the heavier stuff like what was it Emily Rose? I remember being really yeah, into yeah. Emily Rose, and just like the the big breakdown beats and stuff, and the kind of music scene that I was in in Torquay at the time. Um, there was like a, a Metal Mondays thing, so. There was a lot of like heavier bands that would play like every Monday, like in local like clubs and stuff like that. So you turn up every Monday and it was, I think it was like either really cheap entry or free entry. And then you just see like a big lineup of hardcore bands every Monday. Oh, that's cool. Uh, no, I think I was like 16, 17 when I was kicking off. Um, so yeah, got really into the hardcore scene for a while. Yeah. So like in terms of kind of the... I guess music that's a bit more aligned to what you're playing now like where did you was it just kind of like a musical evolution of like discovering more bands and sort of I guess finding music that you found more of a relationship with or more of a kinship with like how did that all kind of come about? Yeah I guess so um I, I think it's probably from like a lot of bands that I've been in previously as well kind of all mashed together into like this this one thing where we, I just found a real comfort in what I was making with other people and mm. then it all just kind of amalgamated into what what Sits Bright sounds like now I guess. Uh, I was in a band a long time ago called Skeleton Frames and that was that was one where I was playing bass and it was definitely like the heaviest of stuff I played in before and then yeah. uh, played in a project called Rink with my friend Emily Isherwood from Bristol. Um, and that was a really, I think that was a really interesting kind of take on, because I was I was basically just playing bass in this band, but it was really interesting to see it like a completely different writing pro like process and a style yeah. that I hadn't necessarily played before. 
um and it was like a bit softer a bit softer than what i played before so it kind of i'd say between those two bands it really formed the kind of sound that i leaned into with this that's cool so then in terms of you actually kind of like picking up an instrument and sort of deciding to kind of want to play around with music because you said kind of picking up a guitar early on but then dropping it and stuff but what like what was the kind of first instrument was guitar first instrument that you were drawn to or like as you say sort of playing piano like what was your kind of entry point of actually playing uh it's definitely guitar like i think when i was younger i would try and teach myself how to play guitar just by reading tab on the internet yeah yeah um but then i think i was like drawn to like the idea of being able to like produce music from your own bedroom so i got really into music production i, I studied music tech in college yeah um so i just wanted to be able to like make entire arrangements myself and just like write and produce everything from my room so i think that's where i started playing keys because a lot of it is based in just like being able to play synth lines and stuff like that mm. um but I, I always kind of missed like the the more visceral feeling of of playing like a, a proper like a, a guitar or something um then i started going to playing bass in bands before going back to guitar but i think that was because it felt better to write music on a guitar obviously you can still write music on a bass and stuff like that but it's just root notes you can't have quite as much fun with it so i i started taking guitar more seriously to be able to write better yeah and so in terms that's, of that's where i went with that in terms of kind of like wanting to say sort of like sort of teaching yourself kind of through like reading tab and, and things like that mm. like what what was the kind of what like what drew you to the i guess obviously like growing up listening to like as you say like nirvana and, and rem you, you're kind yeah. of grown up around sort of guitar music but was there kind of like an impotence from you like oh i want to play guitar or did anyone kind of say oh do you fancy giving this a go like what was the kind of drive behind it uh i guess it was just listening to like guitar driven music oh, i just wanted to be able to like i didn't see like most of the bands that i was listening to at the time i didn't really see women in those bands mm. um so i was I, I guess i never took it that seriously i didn't <laughs> i don't think that's the reason um but I just kind of was interested in, in playing what I was listening to. So I, I would just learn to play the songs, like the, just the covers and stuff like that. Uh, but um, yeah, I just, uh, I, yeah, I liked being able to play what I was listening to, but um, yeah. I, I, I really didn't start writing anything until I was about 20, I would say. Yeah. And I was going to sort of bring this up a little bit later down the line, but just because you've brought it up now, I think sort of, I've touched upon it a bit but like you say kind of obviously the bands you were listening to when you were younger there weren't really much of a sort of a female representation sort of thing so mm. was that a difficult thing for you in terms because as you say kind of like coming to the writing process a bit sort of later on in life mm. did you did you find that sort of disheartening and did that kind of maybe put you off subconsciously in some aspects um maybe subconsciously it really wasn't something that I picked up on or like you know really realized was was a present thing until until i started playing and kind of touring with bands and stuff mm. um there was definitely a lot less women in bands like playing instruments like there was a lot of we're missing like a lot of singers like you'd see like Haley from paramore like and yeah. it was, you know as incredible as she was like she wasn't 
the one playing the instrument and I, I found that a lot with the heavier bands it was, it was generally women who were just vocalists yeah as opposed to playing as well um so I don't know I don't think it really had much of an effect on on my style of like writing or anything because um I, I, I don't know I don't really know where I would take my inspiration from for, for writing <laughs> yeah. in general um but it was it was strange to see or like when I started to notice how underrepresented women were in, in general and like the kind of alternative music scene mm. and then in terms of kind of like where because you say you say you grew up in Torquay yeah so obviously you mentioned kind of like the those sort of like metal mondays sort of things but like was there kind of like much of a, a scene around there for like live music apart from that or like did you have to kind of go further afield to seek out live music uh there was always like a fair amount going on in Torquay. like i think we were quite lucky at the time i don't think there's there's really any of that anymore um but did quite frequently come up to exeter as well for gigs up here when there was mm. There's a venue here called that was called the Hub, and then I think it's all been completely knocked down now. Um, and obviously, gigs at the Cavern and stuff like that. As yeah. Well. So that was usually a bit tricky because you needed an ID, and <laughs> 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 I an idea at that point didn't have an ID till I was eighteen. So yeah, it was a bit tricky getting in. Yeah, but like in terms of kind of I guess sort of going out and sort of like seeing live bands and things like was that. Was there ever like a moment when you sort of like realised like, oh, other people sort of maybe like a similar age to you or something like that were doing at that? So that then kind of made you push forward and, and want to sort of start playing in bands yourself? Uh, yeah, I think it was when when I was studying music tech. Um, I was kind of seeing like the production side of it, but also just really missed the playing side of it. So I thought maybe I'll just start playing in bands but by that point there really wasn't much of a scene down in Torquay away and then I ended up moving to Bristol for a little while mm. um and was really kind of seeking out to play in bands there and then ended up doing a lot of that and uh yeah it was a really good experience it was a weird time but uh yeah very formative I guess yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so in so terms of oh sorry go on Oh, so I was going to say, I started, that's where I started playing keyboards in bands. But um, okay. then I started playing bass just because someone needed a bassist. And then I was like, I think I could probably take this up. It'd be all right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's, that's what I was going to say. So, because you've mentioned a couple of like your earlier bands, but in terms of kind of your sort of like first foray into sort of playing live music, like, was it like, was it keys that you you did in in your first band and what was the first band that you i guess kind of claim as your first band what was what was that kind of like musically uh i don't think i ever gigged as a keyboardist so oh, okay i think the first time i would have, have gigged as was was as a bassist um sorry what was the question again <laughs> well just sort of like what was the the first band that you were kind of part of and what was the sound like musically uh, it was, uh, well, it started off being called Laser Beast, which was nice. like a, a surf, surf punk band. And okay. that eventually transformed into uh, Skeleton Frames, which was very much like a shoegaze kind of outfit. So it all became like a lot like slower and heavier. Yeah. And so um, yeah, took took up the vocals as well with that one. It kind of originally started with like 
two of us on vocals. Uh, There's a guy, a guy called Jack, and then um, I took kind of more of the lead with it as, as time went on. Mm. Like you kind of mentioned it before, but like saying about picking up the bass, it was kind of, was it a sort of a necessity kind of thing in terms of like somebody needed a bassist and you were like, well, yeah. I'll give it a go kind of thing? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So it was just like, oh, we've, got, we've got everyone we need. I just don't have a bassist. And I was like, I'll learn how to play the bass. I'll be fine. Um, I had a bass, which I'd, I'd picked up for like 50 quid like a couple of years ago. That I just never really did anything with. Yeah. Um, so I had the means and then it was just putting in the time to learn the songs and then it was just just easy it's really easy to pick up a, a, a musical instrument when you're uh when you're in a band I think because you're kind of you're under the pressure to, to learn your parts and it's just easier yeah. to learn as a group as well yeah I think like I've had I mean I've tried playing guitar I've tried playing bass and I just I don't think I have the hand-eye coordination for it so I think <laughs> maybe if I was put in that bit more of a, a pressure situation I might have done yeah. it a bit better but yeah, just what wasn't for me, unfortunately. It's having the right environment as well, where you're kind of like allowed to make mistakes and stuff. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I like if you're nice. if you're sat in your room trying to do it and you're getting things wrong, you just kind of build up the frustration. Whereas if you've yeah. got <laughs> so, if you've got someone behind you, be like, no, 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 it's fine. I think that probably would help massively. Yeah, yeah, it definitely helps having someone egg you on a little bit. So in terms of kind of like that sort of first band like did did you sort of do much like in terms of going out playing was it just sort of like local shows or, or things like uh, that? I played a lot of local shows but um it did kind of take off quite a bit as well um and we played like a few shows like up and down the country I played like a show in London and stuff but um it didn't end very well I'll put it okay there's <laughs> a bit of a yeah a bit of a clash between bandmates and stuff and then it just yeah ended quite abruptly okay fair enough. but, but um cool. the drummer for that band now plays the drums in slits so oh okay complete, cool wasn't a complete bust you know? <laughs> and we've, we've played in bands together for years since as well so it's that's always stuck yeah always had tom as a drummer that's cool so mm. was it just kind of like one-off shows or did you sort of like do like weekend tours or anything like that yeah, just like short runs of dates. I think I remember the most we did in a row was about four. Mm. Um, I was working in a shoe shop at the time as well. And I remember kind of turning up to work after having three hours sleep from driving back from <laughs> London and just being like, okay, I'm going to sell some shoes now. Like I've had a full night's sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But in terms of that then, like, because I always find it interesting what people's sort of, I know maybe it wasn't like the most extensive of runs, but like their preconceived idea of what tour is in comparison to the reality of it. So did you kind of have an idea in your head of like what traveling around the country would be like and what were your kind of realizations of, of those first shows like when you were sort of going further afield? Uh, I don't know. I think you kind of always... A lot of the time you never know what the venues are going to look like unless you've played there before and then you kind of turn up and it's just like I think the one in London was in a like a check-in restaurant oh, okay. <laughs> um, so it was just like okay this this is called the chicken shop because it's a chicken restaurant <laughs> and um and it's always like I, I, I don't know sometimes you picture it and it had to be like just 
the stage to look a certain way or the room to look away or you never really know what the audience kind of turnout is going to be as well because it would, I remember it being our first time there but um I think the headliner brought in a lot more people than we yeah. did which <laughs> yeah. is to be expected um but yeah it was always interesting to go somewhere that wasn't your hometown and then be well received and then just being like oh maybe we aren't just good because our friends are being nice to us. <laughs> yeah so I guess it was having that experience of like just a completely like alien audience to what you've had before mm. and then, that was that was the most interesting part for me I think and then in terms of, kind of like you mentioned sort of you kind of took over sort of like vocal duties like completely where it started as as the two of you sort of thing like has has kind of singing and doing vocals always been something that you'd kind of wanted to to do like or was it again Uh, something through necessity (laughs) (laughs) yeah just that was completely out I was so shy to like sing in front of anyone until I was like 20 maybe like the idea of singing in front of anyone was just like horrific that was that was probably like one of my like worst night that was something that would would come up as a nightmare if someone heard me singing on my own outside of like a group of anyone um yeah it's definitely been a curve since then yeah so but had you kind of I I don't know like because obviously you've got a good voice and obviously it's something that you do predominantly now but like was it, I don't know, had you always kind of like liked the idea of singing, but like just it was kind of like your thing, if that makes sense? Yeah, I was like just much too shy to do it in front of you. I didn't th- feel like my voice was good. And mm. I guess like to start out, it probably wasn't very good because I didn't really do it. <laughs> yeah. um, so it was just finding like a range and a style of singing that I was like comfortable in. Mm. And that wasn't just mimicking other vocalists I heard before yeah um yeah it was like a yeah and then I guess it just sounds the way it does now <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> now, I, now I just sing all the time so I, I definitely feel like comfortable with it now yeah and like in terms of that like I guess kind of being comfortable in your own skin in in terms of sort of singing and and things like that like is that just something you've kind of had to get used to over time in terms of because you've done it so often and like in various other bands, it's just kind of come second nature now. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Cause um, I think like my first performance when I, I was singing in front of people, I was just probably the most like nervous I've ever been for anything. Yeah. Um, and then just kind of gradually getting feedback where people are like, Oh, you can actually sing. And I'm like, I <laughs> yeah. can. It was like a revelation, you know, I just, yeah, I think I went in expecting people to be like, yeah, that was that was a set, <laughs> you know, and just like awkward nodding, but actually was fine and people people actually liked it. So I guess it was just, yeah, leaning in and writing like vocal melodies and things that I was comfortable with and that I thought could complement the way that I would sing. Um, yeah. It was like a real learning curve from that point because I'd always always just hidden behind the heavy music and I guess I still to a degree do that now but we write a lot of softer music now and I, I do like a lot of sets on my own and that's just something I never never thought I would I would do. Mm. 
And then in terms of kind of like moving things forward, as you said, that first band kind of ended quite abruptly and things like that. So yeah. talk, me, talk me through like, don't, you don't have to give me sort of blow by blow, but like what was yeah. kind of like the next sort of steps before we kind of got to where Soot Sprite is? Uh, so I guess after that, um, I took quite like an extensive break from like music and then hmm. uh, ended up playing with my friend Emily Isherwood and her band and playing bass and uh, doing backup vocals, which was really good fun. And it generally meant I had to do like a lot of traveling back and forth between Exeter and Bristol because I was back in Exeter by this point. Right. Um, and then... Uh, that was quite short-lived because of certain personal issues on the other the other end of the band. And then right. uh, I started a, a girl band called Magpie. Um, okay. Which went for like a little while. And that's actually how I met uh, Kay at Special Subjects. She was the drummer in that band. Oh, cool. Um, so that's how we ended up being in touch with each other. Um, that was fun. We just like played locally and stuff like that. But we rarely ever found the time to practice together and I think I definitely wanted something that I I could take a little bit more serious because it's really getting into it again um, yeah but uh it was a real problem with with everyone being available because people just are busy um they just have stuff going on in their lives and that's, yeah, that's yeah. fine um but yeah and then I just started writing music seriously again and uh just I was going to just make it like a solo project originally because I was like, I just, I don't want to deal with band members leaving and not being <laughs> yeah. able to do anything anymore. I just, I just want to put music out and play all the time. Um, and then I just, I, I missed the kind of like energy behind having a full band. So I just ended up going straight back to it. And we've had like a full changeover of members since we started, but um, it feels really good where it's at now. Yeah. So in terms of like, I guess in terms, like, because I've mentioned sort of the sort of touring aspect of, of things. Yeah. So, like, you've mentioned with our first band doing like a short, short runs, but what was kind of your, like, your first experience of kind of quote unquote proper touring? Was that with any band prior or has that been with, with Sit Sprite? Yeah, no, that's just been with Sit Sprite. Um, we had like a first, like, we've done a lot of gigs, but like, only did our first proper like UK tour back in November. Yeah. And that was something like 13 dates. Maybe it's less than that. Um, yeah, it was like the first instance of being like out and having to like get cheap hotels or like sleep on people's floors and stuff. And yeah. then um, and then we did the UK and Europe run with our friends and Don't Worry in the end of January and then started yeah. up. And that was, that was like, I feel like the, the most authentic look at it as possible because uh, there was a lot of kind of relying on hotels I think the first run we did and then this one was was a lot of sleeping on floors yeah which yeah I actually just really enjoyed and then obviously you know what it's like to to tour in Europe and you just end up meeting like the most friendly people like yeah, you can imagine. yeah and they're just all so accommodating and it's very strange to imagine how difficult it's going to be doing that now yeah yeah but well that's kind of what I was going to ask it's like well because if that was your first time over there what what was your kind of first experience of Europe and like how were were you sort of received because I always find it interesting like for a UK band going over there for the first time especially like yeah 
a band like this not meant in a disrespectful way but a band of like your kind of level like yeah where you are kind of as you say sort of like roughing it a little bit you're probably booking mm. most of the shows yourself sort of thing so yeah. like what was that experience like for you and how did you find it uh honestly just like the best best time i've ever had yeah <laughs> yeah it's um just like being able to i think we we did uh let's see three countries france france germany and belgium we did um yeah and uh just yeah i think generally really well received in the shows like some of them were like a little bit quiet but none of us like really minded because i think we were just able to like hang out and we, we got on really well with band don't worry so it was, mm. it was just nice to like hang out with your friends and play music i think it's yeah that's all you can can really ask for um yeah i think it just really made me want to go back yeah 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 <laughs> because uh the i mean the difference in like touring the UK to touring over there. I mean, generally you get paid for a start, like, <laughs> yeah. which is really nice. Um, usually, usually welcome with like food and there's, there's always someone who's willing to put you up. And I think there's, there's obviously that does exist in the UK, but it's, it's a lot harder to find. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think like, that's one thing that I always like, even like now when I've been over there several times now, like, just the the hospitality that they have is just like it just blows the UK out of the water. Yeah, it does put us to shame. <laughs> yeah. Were there any particular spots that you like you really enjoyed? Uh I really liked uh Ghent in Belgium. Yeah. That was just I mean, it was just like completely beautiful for a start, but uh I felt like everyone we met was just like the nicest person I'd ever met. And... <laughs> yeah. I just yeah would would really love to go back and do more dates in Belgium, but um, also just everyone in Germany just being like real like radical bunch of people. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think everyone was just just very welcoming. I'd, I'd I'd happily do any of those shows again. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna sort of backpedal a little bit just to kind of get back to the sort of like the start of Soot Sprite. So you kind of sure. mentioned that it kind of originally was going to be sort of a, a sort of a solo project and things like that. So did you yeah. kind of have material and stuff kind of written and recorded as just, just yourself or what? Yeah. The, our first EP is actually just one that I recorded in, in my bedroom. Right. Um, okay. So that was, uh, yeah, I think I had, I had some help from, a bassist Ross at the time who recorded in some more like complex kind of bass patterns and stuff and helped program in some of the drums but um it was mostly yeah just just wrote and recorded in my room and then uh gave to a friend to master our friend Ben Green who also recorded and mixed our our second EP Sharp Tone as well. Right so like in terms of kind of that then like in terms of you kind of doing the the bulk of, of the work so to say like mm -hmm. was that a process that you enjoyed did you find it stressful like and kind of I don't know did you kind of learn a lot more about yourself as a musician kind of going through that process uh yeah I guess it was like it really gave me the freedom to be completely creative and in, in the writing process and I hadn't really had that creative freedom before um so it kind of allowed me to shape the the, like, the exact sound 
that I wanted to go ahead with and then just being able to bring other musicians into that and being like this is what I'm going for do you like this would you like to play this and <laughs> yeah. it's like just having a full pitch that you could give to people and be like this is what we're going to sound like and then since then it's it's been nice to kind of collaborate with people who just enjoy that kind of sound yeah I guess when you're starting a band together with people it's it's kind of difficult to know um where it's going to go but with it starting kind of as a project that I'd just done by myself um it was kind of nice to just have like like a concrete starting point to go from yeah and like you kind of mentioned it there like but was it always the idea of it to kind of have like even when you were kind of starting out in its embryonic stages was it always the idea of it to have that kind of shoegazy dream pop kind of element to it or has it kind of evolved a little bit uh yeah i guess so um i think at the time i was listening to like a lot of bands like dive and and a band called howdy as well um mm. we were doing like a lot more kind of slower kind of like like a, i guess like a droning sound with like right. guitars and like everything's a bit washy and i was quite interested to see how you could make music sound like that so then in terms of kind of like I guess where the sound is now, because I, th- I think like you mentioned earlier, like when you were younger, sort of being into like sort of like the more metal and hardcore sort of sound of things, and I, and I read like in another interview that you've done that a band that you kind of took <coughs> influence from was is Cloakroom, whereas like the, their bands that have yeah. uh, kind of on the heavier scale of of the sort of shoegaze thing like genre compared to yourself, but like. I don't know. Do you still kind of take inspiration and influence from that heaviest, heavier style, but like adapt it to a, a kind of a softer palette, I guess? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I think we, we kind of are definitely writing like a more kind of poppy style in terms of like structure and, and the softer bits are definitely like a bit twinklier than they were before, but we do still like, to throw in like a heavier section mm. i guess it's just more just less like less of a constantly present kind of thing but really still enjoy kind of like a heavier i don't think you call it a breakdown <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just where it can't like where it can come in a little bit heavier and like add dynamic to it as opposed to just being like a, a constant wall of noise mm. and not that i don't enjoy that and probably probably would delve back into that but that's just kind of I guess where the, the newer stuff is at yeah the and I don't want to kind of harp on about this this point but I always want to get a, a female perspective when I have like a woman on the show sort of thing because hmm. obviously my experience is completely different being a cis white male I'm very I know I'm in a very <laughs> privileged position but like I guess sort of like your journey kind of coming up through sort of music and your position now like obviously your quote-unquote persona online obviously everything that Sprite puts out it's you sort of thing that's posting things and stuff so and as you kind of said like even just with like singing and performing like not that that's necessarily a thing with you being a woman but like just in terms of kind of gaining more confidence have you found like Mm. I don't know that you've kind of found your personal voice within the music world and have you kind of found that you've had to build that up in in any shape or form or like I don't know like it's 
<laughs> it's a weird question to ask. Yeah, you, I guess. Like, just have you found there been any struggle? Have you found like that you've had to kind of just sort of deal with the cards you're dealt, kind of thing? Uh, I mean, I guess like the way the way the music is like seen is now. Like, that there's a lot. There's a lot more kind of women. Yeah in music and especially in, in the alternative scene, like you've got bands like Bully and like Gouge Away doing like amazing, amazing stuff. So I think it's, it's been, I guess the, there's a lot more voices around, yeah. which is nice. Um, so yeah, I feel like I've definitely kind of found my place and it doesn't, I know it don't, we're quite hard to, to put into a specific genre because I think we bounce around quite a <laughs> yeah. lot. Um, but it's, yeah. Uh. <laughs> uh, I think, yeah, I've definitely managed to kind of find my place in it. And I live in a house with our drummer and, and his partner, Grace, who's, who's also in a band. So I feel like I'm really surrounded by a lot of like non, non-men in music now. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely does does kind of add a little bit more confidence into what you're doing mm. just to have have other people involved with it yeah and i think like on the sort of like side of like alternative music that you sort of sit i think there is a lot more kind of openness and um sort of diversity within that like if like mm. compared to like i guess like the traditional sort of hardcore side of things like yeah there are bands that have like people of color, have like queer people, have women and things like that, but it's still kind of seen as a bit of a, a macho boys club kind of thing on on the surface of things. Yeah. Whereas like, I guess like this will move me on to another thing that, and you kind of touched upon it with how you met Kay, but like the specialist subjects family, like the way that they run their label, like, there's a, a whole lot of like diversity and like equality yeah. within their label. And I think they kind of do it really well. So like, have you found like, I guess, especially since Soot Sprite's been touring a bit more that you've found more people like-minded and that it's kind of opened your, your world as well in that aspect. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially with the shows that special subject to put on, including us as well. Like I found like when I think about when I was touring with, with like skeleton frames and bands before, like I was frequently like the only non guy in the whole lineup. And that was the case for like, I would say like years almost, like it was really rare to have, have another woman or like just another non man in a band. And then, I guess since since touring now, like I found that that's that's just not the case at all. It's usually like a completely balanced kind of lineup, and that's that's been really refreshing because mm. that's definitely not always been the case. Yeah, and like in those kind of early days, like not, I don't want to kind of make it sound sort of like tokenism sort of thing, but like where you mm. were sort of like the only woman in in the lineup and potentially in the whole venue kind of thing like yeah was that did you find that awkward or did you kind of just not really think about it I guess um for the most part I didn't think about it until there was there were things that like happened that I still kind of pick up on now like 
you find the other bands will come and shake every member of the band's hand be like, oh, it's nice to meet you and then they'll just kind of brush past yeah, you because yeah. they might assume that you're just like a girlfriend of things and I've been stopped from going into venues before and I just said like, oh it's bands only and you know we're, we're still loading in and I was like yes I know yeah. <laughs> there was a a lot of a lot of kind of that and a lot of um guys who would kind of come up to you after the show and just be like oh that's, it's, it's really it's really hot to see a woman oh, like playing, playing the bass and stuff and it's just oh it's just there was kind of a lot of that so i feel like there was a lot of times where it would just completely go under the radar and i, I would just kind of forget that that was my position within like the scene but um and then there were times that it just felt incredibly present <laughs> yeah. and hard to ignore um but yeah, I feel like for the most part, I've always been in bands where the other members have been very supportive of yeah. that. Yeah, it's funny you say like about, well, not funny, but the sort of like not being let in venues kind of thing. Because obviously that's still something that like I've heard of how still happens like now. Like I remember yeah. hearing a story of on a much sort of bigger scale, but Hannah from Creeper, like she wasn't allowed into a venue because the security thought yeah, i think i saw yeah, that and it's just like yeah. they're a big fucking band like you just have to look at yeah. their tour poster and she's fucking there it's just like yeah yeah is we hope we hope it's, things are, it hasn't gone away it's getting yeah. better it is getting better but there's still a lot of work i guess that needs yeah to that's what i was gonna say like we hope like on the surface we'd like to th- think things are getting better but there's still that shitness underneath unfortunately yeah yeah i think maybe maybe it'll be a generational thing like even just like like the time span between like my first bands and what we're doing now like there are so many more like role models in music who aren't just just white yeah white guys so it's uh i think it should be a matter of time before it all kind of comes back yeah around, you know hopefully anyway um and then in terms of kind of like I guess Soot Sprite kind of getting some like more sort of ears and attention kind of thing. Like I kind of discovered your band weirdly like through Twitter, which is something I never kind of discover bands through. Like I usually kind of like Bandcamp or Spotify or like press releases or whatever are usually how I kind of discover my Mm. music. But I think it was, I think weirdly like we this is probably like a year or maybe longer but we i think we might have had like some kind of interaction about some menial thing and i was sort of like oh okay and i'll check out your band kind of thing but like the reason i bring it up is because i think the way that you portray yourself and sort of use twitter as a platform is sort of a key thing of how music is going in our current generation so have you kind of found yeah. that a tool like Twitter, like Facebook, has kind of helped open an audience up to you? Yeah, I guess so. Like, I've, I think I've never been shy of my opinion. <laughs> yeah. I definitely have my dad to thank for that. So uh, I just figured that there should be no difference between, um, you know, the the opinions that myself and my bandmates hold and, and the way that we should portray ourselves. I feel like if, if there's a time to make your position on things clear, it's, it's definitely now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've been quite vocal about everything that's going on. But I, I mean, just more like kind of in, in general, like you kind of like, I think 
on a different sort of scale of, of genre, like Ithaca are another band that do it really well. Like, as you, you kind of say, they use their social media as more of a conversation piece rather than it yeah. being, oh, we've got a new single coming out, check it out, sort of thing. Like, Yeah, I feel like a lot of people do really treat it as like a business account and it's just like all about audience and reach. But the reality is it's just like a, a platform for you to, to speak to people who listen to your music yeah. and... And I think that's that's invaluable. I think to be able to to speak to the people who are you know just firsthand, just like just discovering your music or, um, you know, telling you that they're excited for something that you're putting out. I think that's it's, it's amazing that you can just have that kind of interaction, like as and when with people. Mm. And I think that's a really nice thing that that maybe wasn't accessible when I was like a teenager. Yeah, yeah. I was really into bands. But do you find that, like, on some aspect that that's kind of not necessarily, like, hindered, but, like, because you're being so personable, the, like, like, take me for an example, like, to you, I'm a Joe Nobody, but, like, you've, you feel like you, you have, like, a connection with, with somebody that you've never met sort of thing. So, like, has that kind of been a bit of, bit weird where, like, I don't know, like, you might have had a fan who's been, like, really like connecting with you on the internet and then maybe meet you in person you're like who the fuck are you kind of thing (laughs) no i mean i've definitely like met people um at shows who have just been like oh we spoke on it and that's that's always i've always found it to be quite like a positive thing um there have been like instances where people have added me on like my personal accounts and things and then just been like you know just just really striking up a conversation that maybe wasn't wasn't about to have right. like talking about the lyrical content just like oh that's really deep that sounds like it was really deep for you and I'm like I, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> that's quite a quite quite intense actually but um I, I'm yeah I think for the most part it's been just yeah an entirely positive experience of just being able to to you know I guess meet people before they come to your shows and then for the people to be able to you know feel comfortable enough to speak to you because I think that is quite daunting for a lot of people to come and just speak to someone after a show um so i think that kind of takes away from that a little yeah, bit yeah that's cool because it feels like feels like you already know them too yeah degree, that's you know? cool and then in terms of kind of like i'm kind of jumping around a little bit here but in terms of like your musical output like obviously um sharp tongue came out was it tail end of last year yeah in October. Yeah. yeah so that again that sort of brought more sort of eyes and ears to to your band and and things like that and i think obviously again with you being part of that specialist subjects family like that's kind of helps mm. sort of widen you out and stuff as, as well so yeah kind of months removed from that now like how do you kind of feel that that record's been perceived like what's kind of your i guess now that you've had time to kind of take a seat back and look at it like how's it kind of been for you I think it, it, was, it was really a really good experience to be able to put out that record with with special subject and I can't believe kind of how much time has passed yeah, since then yeah. already. It really has just just flown by. Um, yeah, it just put us on like a completely kind of new platform and we found like a lot more kind of opportunities opening up after that. Like we got uh, long listed for Glastonbury's Emerging Talent and you know, we found ourselves getting played on like BBC Six Music and it was, 
yeah, a real different kettle of fish to what we had for like, <laughs> yeah. the first EP. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I even found like with the first EP, it got a lot more reach than I ever expected. And then, yeah, the same again with Sharp Tongue. I feel like it's just kind of, it kept amping up and it was, yeah, I was just really amazed to see kind of reception to it and just see people actually like following like the progress and just like waiting for new music that was that's quite interesting (laughs) and then obviously because this was now like the first release with the full band sort of thing so with like you maybe like I guess delegating maybe not the right term but in terms of having that support of having other musicians with you did you find did you find it kind of a more relaxed sort of environment recording that because it wasn't all on your your shoulders and was it I guess a bit more of a a free-flowing thing rather than you having to think right I've written all of this how am I gonna like take it and record it sort uh, of thing? well I mean we we basically had written like I'd, I'd write, write a song take it to practice and then we, we'd turn it into like a full band outfit by that point I wasn't just recording at a laptop I might like demo something out every now and then but um it really was a full band kind of effort at that point and then uh we just made sure that by the time we went into the studios we knew the songs inside out because uh we could only afford to be (laughs) so long so um we just wanted to make sure that that we just had our parts down so it was uh I wouldn't say relaxed but um it didn't feel overly stressful either. Yeah, it was really interesting to record in like a in an official, more official kind of setting. Mm. Even though it was like a friend, it was our friend doing it, and it was in a studio that that you know that he runs. But um, to be on more of a a schedule and to have like proper like recording equipment and stuff, and then there was like a lot of there was still a lot of room for experimentation for like what we the way we recorded the guitars and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so it was, yeah, it was different because <laughs> that was the, we'd, we hadn't recorded uh, guitars properly. I'd only like DI'd them in for the first EP. Right. So to record them with like, with an amp and everything properly was really nice to be able to do because it felt like we were getting more of the live kind of feeling. Through. Yeah. But in terms of kind of like you personally, I guess sort of like seeing it grow from being a bedroom project to, as you say, kind of like being in an actual studio and things like that, like, how how was yeah. that kind of experience like was it something that you kind of enjoyed kind of like I guess kind of like letting go of what was sort of something that was yours that is now a, a kind of a bigger group effort yeah yeah I think I was always quite like easy on the idea of like you know other people bringing things to the table and being able to contribute to to the way the song was going to turn out so it was it was nice to be able to write properly with people again um it was never there was never a problem that I had. It was never why I went as a solo musician because I didn't want anyone else to write <laughs> yeah. songs. It was just because, just because I was fed up with people leaving the band. <laughs> yeah. um, so it was, yeah, it was definitely something I really, I really welcomed going into it. I think being able to to make music with other people is, I think, one of the best bits. Mm. And obviously, like we'll get on to sort of like the newer stuff in a moment, but obviously because of lockdown and whatever gigs aren't happening or whatever, but you've been one of the people that's 
been fortunate enough to sort of do a couple of live streams and and things like that and mm. you kind of mentioned at the very beginning of this kind of conversation is sort of like getting comfortable with, with you just sort of sitting playing the guitar yourself sort of thing so yeah. how have you fo- kind of found those sort of live stream experiences and especially where you're still kind of getting that immediate feedback of a live audience but they're not there in front of you was that was that kind yeah. of like a surreal thing for you to deal with yeah it was um it was kind of you stop a stop a song and instead of any kind of ringing out feedback or any applause it's just kind of like an awkward okay that was the song <laughs> yeah. and then you look, look at the comments coming through and it's just like just some other kind of form of applause and it was always really nice and positive but it was that uh, it was really alien experience. I found I felt a lot more nervous doing that than I have done playing a live oh, really? show in a really long time. Yeah, because it felt really intense. I don't know why. I guess it's because it's quite like a personal thing. You just sat in your own home, like I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I couldn't tell you the psychology behind it. It was just uh, yeah, really brought on the nerves again for me, and I hadn't hadn't felt nervous in a long time. That's Strange. that's weird, but like. Because how many of you, I think, how many have you done now? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did a, a, a lot on it. I think we did three, three of the special subject yeah. ones. Uh, I did some with Exeter Uncovered here as well. And then a couple on Facebook as well. Um, near the 10 number, yeah. I would say. And then I got, I got really bored of doing them. <laughs> I think it was like entertaining at first and then it was just like oh I just don't know if anyone can hear me and I think my camera's making a hissing noise and this is just oh it's a lot, <laughs> yeah. it was a lot. well I guess that kind of answer because I was going to say like the more you did did you become more comfortable but I guess it was kind of the reverse in that aspect I think I just became more apathetic <laughs> yeah. to be honest it's just like this 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 isn't filling the void anymore and I think that was the problem yeah well, we'll get on to obviously like the newer stuff that you're doing. Like you've been kind enough to share the new single with me, but obviously by the time sure. this episode goes out, everyone will <clears throat> have had a chance to to hear it. Um, I want to yeah. bring up the title just because I think it's very yeah. apt at the moment. So it was that the title yeah. before or has that evolved into what, what we hear now? Like for people who don't know, it's called uh, It's Summer and I Don't Feel Like Smiling. So... Well, yeah, was that kind of just something of the time or was that a name you already had for it? Uh, well, I, th- I think I didn't know what to call it and then I was just like, that's is, that's the hook. I think people will know that that's the song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually wrote it last year, though. I think I was having a very bad time of my mental health mm. and it felt really felt really unusual to kind of experience you know feeling low like that when it was in the summer and everyone was just like partying all the time and everyone like seemed quite high spirits and I just felt like completely like removed from myself in the situation it was a really kind of strange time and uh then again this year coming back in summer we went into lockdown and it just felt very collective like it was all happening again but it was happening to everyone and um yeah I was like I think I think I need to lean into this more um and yeah I think the song kind of encompassed both times yeah (laughs) and in terms of kind of like you kind of touched upon it earlier like with people sort of like 
sort of picking apart like your lyrics and and things and saying that mm-hmm. there is a obviously a personal edge to them and obviously you've kind of touched upon it there yeah. like with the new song being around like your own state of mental health and and things like that like yeah do you find i guess it kind of goes hand in hand in some aspects with the sort of style of music that you play that there has to be some kind of emotional element to what is being said oh, yeah. so have you found that kind of an uh, an easy process is to kind of not bear your soul but like how like put your emotions into what you're writing and kind of leaving it out there for people to interpret yeah I think I was really nervous doing that the first time with the first EP but um I think then having that out there for people to listen to and being like actually I, I can really relate to this as well I just kind of realized that the more I did that that there's just nothing to be embarrassed about because everyone can feel this yeah. way and anyone can kind of relate to it on a level so I guess there's there's no reason to feel shame yeah. about it um which I think was quite a difficult kind of barrier to get over initially but actually doing it now just feels like the most natural thing like if I was to write about something outside of myself and my own psyche I think that would feel a lot stranger yeah. um so yeah, I think definitely fine with it now. I uh, wasn't definitely wasn't before. <laughs> yeah. And like, I don't want to sort of like get too sort of deep and sort of psychoanalyze and things like that. But yeah, it's fine. But, it's fine. But in terms of like, do you find that kind of process like, as you say, because sort of like writing about your own psyche and things like that? For mm. you, is it a kind of a? I don't want to say it's on paper, so it's done because that's not the case, sort of thing. But like because you're vocalizing it is that kind of your way of sort of working through things or is it just a creative outlet for you Uh, I guess it's like a little of both I would say like it 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 does really help to be able to put like what you're going through down on paper um because it kind of helps you like validate your own experience Mm. really because you I think a lot of the time like doubt what you're going through like oh it's you know it's, it's fine it's not that bad but but it's real, like what you, what you're, the way you're feeling, like it, you know, it is just something that you you are experiencing. And I think being able to to write it down and then to be able to like kind of accept that that is what what you're going through, I think that is really helpful to be able to do. It's definitely it's definitely been helpful for me. I wouldn't say like you know it's definitely not solved, yeah, anything, yeah. but it's definitely helped me like come to terms with like maybe what I've been dealing with. Yeah, and. I guess like on a kind of a wider sort of audience, I guess in maybe not be the right term, but like, I think a lot of musicians are kind of realizing that what they're kind of going through, maybe somebody else is going through something similar, or as you kind of said, like people kind of like can relate to it and that aspect. And and a lot more musicians are kind of embracing that sort of side of things. So for you personally, like, because I think everyone kind of has that answer of a musician writes music for themselves, not for their fans sort of thing. But is sure. there an element for you, like because you're writing stuff so personally that you have to kind of curtail like some points of, like, I don't want to kind of put words in your mouth, but like maybe so, some <laughs> things are a bit too personal. So you have to sort of edit yourself in some aspects. Uh, I guess I've never, 
I've never really thought about it so much as that. I think I've always just written in a way that, you know, is it isn't overly direct and I, I suppose people are able to put themselves in the situation a little bit easier that way but it was never really like the way it was intended but um I guess I've never gone too detailed <laughs> yeah. with it but that was never that was never like a creative decision or anything I guess it's just how yeah it that's cool um and then just in terms of like the, the newer stuff like again it might be just my sort of perception of it but and I think now knowing that you're kind of pulling influence from cloakroom that is something like those kind of bands is something that i can definitely hear sort of musically and i feel like mm. you've kind of with this new single you've definitely lent into the more sort of fuzzy side of of the shoegaze thing like side of the genre compared to like obviously it's there on sharp tongue but i don't know it felt a bit more prominent on this new single so is that is that sure. something that you've kind of consciously wanted to go in the direction with the new music um i guess not not so much consciously but we have had like two full band member changes and i think um with that comes like a little bit of a a different direction to whatever you're taking because mm. i'm always like listening to what you know suggestions the other two have like with sean and tom so i think everyone comes from different musical backgrounds so they've always got something new to bring yeah. um so i guess that's probably why it's taken like a slightly different direction but i guess it also just comes with us just writing new material in general it's always gonna evolve a little bit yeah and so i would never want to just stagnate and just release the same ep <laughs> yeah don't do a slayer <laughs> <laughs> And because of say so obviously by this by the time this is out the the single will have been out for a couple of days. Um yeah. we hope a lot of people have heard it. A lot it's a lot of, in a lot of people's ears. But like what's the plan with it? Is it gonna be a standalone single? Are we expecting more music later on down the line? What what's the plan at the moment? Uh, for now it's the standalone single. Um we do have some more stuff in the bag. Mm. But uh we're trying to work out kind of where to go with it because uh funds are a little low so i think like end goal what we'd like to be doing is is releasing an album but um yeah it's having the means to be able yeah, to yeah. to get that all sorted no, out that's that's fair enough um, so i think we're gonna we're gonna pout this and we're gonna see how it goes and then we'll we'll decide on the direction it's all quite loose that's cool well i think especially in the day and age where we've got sort of Spotify Bandcamp and whatever, I think, yeah, I like personally, I never used to be a fan of it, but like, I think especially like in the times we're in now, like bands putting out singles and kind of not keeping a relevancy, but just sort of like saying, yeah, yo, yeah. we're still around sort of thing, like is a really sort of yeah. vital tool and it really helps kind of keep the musical beast yeah. turning so to it's say it's nice to be able to it's nice to be able to test the waters yeah i think just be like this is this is the whole new band like what do you think of this music that we make yeah, now? yeah. we don't necessarily necessarily have like a full body to to kind of put out there but i think to be able to just put out a little bit it's nice there's no pressure behind like a digital release or anything so it's it's kind of a nice position to yeah be and just because you've just flagged it up to me and I want, I always find it interesting, especially with like younger bands. So obviously yeah. with the special subject thing, obviously having that as a, a physical release, what was it like having like 
your EP on a vinyl? Like, what was that for sort of feeling for you? Oh, yeah, that, that was like a, a real dream come true. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think we'd, we kind of like, we'd, we were definitely gunning towards some kind of physical release and a certain, like, we, we'd kind of been pitched to you by other labels who were only kind of willing to do like CDs or tapes but in my mind I was like I just I just really I don't know what's going to happen with this band like in a year's time I just want a record <laughs> yeah. I just want to be able to have it on a vinyl record and they were like more than happy to facilitate that and they were actually just quite uh, enthusiastic to do it as well so uh, it was really nice that's cool perfect right at least how I usually like to end these I know it's a bit weird at the moment because we're not doing gigs but I usually ask my guests what their favourite song is, but with a bit of a twist. So what's your favourite Soot Sprite song that you'd like to play live and why? Oh, uh, I think it's Cool Cadaver. Yeah. And that's because it's got it's got the gut punch end and you really if if if, if no one's heard that song before and then they come to a show and then there's just this kind of soft twinkly guitar song. And then just out of nowhere, there's just this <laughs> yeah. belting heavy section with just an enormous amount of fuzz. And it's, you always see someone in the audience jump. And I think that's, that's always quite fun. <laughs> so scaring the shit out of your audience is your, is your game. Yeah. yeah, that is always the end goal. Perfect. Yeah. Brilliant. Elise, thank you very much for, for your time. Really appreciate it. Um, thank you for I having me. I hope everyone loves the single. It's really fucking rad. And I hope we get to see you playing live a lot sooner rather than later. Yeah, I hope so too. Perfect. Brilliant. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks Just so much. Take Jen. care. Bye. Bye. So there we have it, folks. Again, a massive thank you to Elise for having a little chat with me. Uh, as mentioned, the band's new single is currently out now, so go check that out on all various streaming platforms. Um, but for everything else at Sprite, as always, we will put social media links in the show notes. Um, that is it for another week. Remember, whether this is the first time you're listening to the Just Inside podcast or the 161st time, please subscribe, rate, review. It really, really does help and... I just want to push this show as much as possible and keep it going. Um, But for now, thank you again for stopping by the Justin Insight podcast and I will see you soon.